Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. I'm not used to being up here in this position. I am normally up here as a worship leader, but today I'm going to be bringing you the message, which I'm very, very excited about. So for those who don't know me, my name is Di, short for Diana, but please call me Di. I prefer that. I'm married to Ed. We have three children. Sorry, is that working? Yeah. Um, our middle son, Tim, who has a disability. He was diagnosed with Angelman syndrome 10 and a half years ago. For those who recall, Tim had a rough start to life. When he was two weeks old, he was diagnosed with a bowel infection and sepsis, and he spent two weeks in ICU. At one point, he had to be resuscitated during a procedure where they had to insert a PIC line for nutrition. He was also diagnosed with failure to thrive at four months old and strabismus, which is where your eyes turn out due to weak eye muscles. And he had to have eye surgery at 13 months old. We received a diagnosis for Angelman syndrome when he was one and a half. And we learned that he would never speak. He might never walk due to a balance disorder. He would have an intellectual disability. He would have seizures. He would have poor sleep. He would be globally delayed, um, and this was all due to a missing gene on chromosome 15. We slowly shared with our family and friends about Tim's diagnosis, and we got various responses from, I'm so sorry, what can we do? How can I pray? What's Angelman syndrome? One of my favorite ones, well, it could be worse. Yes, someone actually said that to me in the depths of my grief. Piece of advice, if someone has just informed you of a lifelong diagnosis, that is not a great response. (laughs) Over the years, we've been dealing with different challenges and struggles of having a child with a disability, which includes sleep deprivation, which is like having a newborn for the last 12 years, watching helplessly as your child has yet another seizure, not being able to do everything that the usual type of family can, although that hasn't really stopped us, and learning a different way to communicate without speech. But there is one phrase that's come up time and time again by well-meaning people, which is, don't worry, God will only give you what you can handle. Has anyone ever heard that before from well-meaning people themselves? Maybe that person was meant to reassure you. But the thing is, we know that statement is not true. I'm sure you've experienced times of struggle in your life where you were overwhelmed, where you felt like you were drowning, where you had to admit I can't handle this, because I know I have. And sometimes it hasn't even been during very hard moments. Sometimes it's been in the everyday moments where I'm just changing Tim's nappy and all of a sudden I feel, this is really unfair. How much longer do I have to do this? And I'm crying and thinking, I can't handle this anymore. So we know that God actually gives us way more than we can handle, but his word tells us that he doesn't leave us to struggle on our own. Through our passage today, we will learn that God is the answer, that he will give us hope, and he will rescue us from our suffering and show us how to respond to our suffering. Can I preface this talk also by saying that suffering is personal and individual. It should not be compared. One person's suffering is just that. It is one person's suffering. And I'm also not saying that Tim is our suffering. I mean, look at him. Of course not. Aspects of his disability cause us and him in particular to suffer, but Tim himself is not our suffering. He's actually our blessing, but that's another sermon. (laughs) 
So our passage today comes from 2 Corinthians 1, 8 to 11. So can we put it up on the... Oh, sorry, up there. Sorry, I've got this thing and I don't really know how to use it. Okay. Okay, so please follow along. It says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us, as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. So let's break this passage down. In verse 89a, Paul is talking about the suffering that he and his team have experienced in his ministry. And we can assume that he's talking about the suffering that is described in Acts when he was in Ephesus, which was the capital of Asia at the time. Well, some theologians have said that it could be a trial that he went through that wasn't accounted for by Luke. But whatever it was, it was the type of suffering where he felt it was above his own ability to ensure that he even despaired of life itself and that he was close to death. This just reminds us that suffering happens in the Christian life. Maybe it may never happen to us to this extent, but as Christians, we aren't immune to suffering. And in fact, the Bible tells us that we should expect it. So Acts 14.22 says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. All throughout the Bible are stories of God's people suffering. And let's not forget Jesus, who understands suffering better than anyone else because of how he suffered, dying alone on the cross with the sin of the entire world upon him. And as followers of Jesus, we should expect suffering as he suffered. And suffering for us can take on many forms. It could be physical suffering, emotional, mental, spiritual. And if you haven't experienced it, someone close to you might have. But as Christians, we are to expect it will fall upon us at some stage. In verse 9, Paul says that suffering happens so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So let's go back to that quote from our well-meaning friends. God gives us. God will only give you what you can handle. Perhaps they meant to encourage you, and they have totally good intentions behind their words. They want to reassure you that they believe in you. You know, they want to say that you can handle whatever it is you're struggling with, that you're strong, you're stronger than your struggle, you'll be fine, and you want to be proud of your own strength as well. You want to show people that, yes, I can handle it all on my own. I am stronger than this. I am capable and able. I can rely on myself to get, to get out of this. You don't want to show people your weakness. You want to do things your own way and in your own power. And I'm definitely, definitely guilty of this. And people, when, when people ask me, how are you going? And I say, I'm fine as an automatic response. Sometimes that's not the truth. Um, I don't want people to see that I'm not handling things. But the thing is, God wants us to admit to our weaknesses. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul Tripp, who was a Christian author and pastor, he had completely changed his life around. He was starting to eat really healthy, doing lots of exercise, and he was really 
proud of how physically strong he was for his age. Then all of a sudden he was diagnosed with acute kidney failure and he had to undergo six surgeries in two years and it left him in a lot of physical pain and he had to cancel many of his ministry events. His sickness made him realize his weakness and his lack of strength and how much he needed God. He couldn't rely on his own strength anymore. He says, Weakness is not what you and I should be afraid of. We should fear our delusion of strength. Strong people tend not to reach out for help because they think they don't need it. When you have been proven weak, you tap into the endless resources of divine power that are yours in Christ. In my weakness, I have known strength that I never knew before. Another theologian, Christian Schmidt, which is a tongue twister, said, the harder the trial, the more we realize our inability and God's ability. When we admit to our weaknesses, we admit our need for God. In suffering, we cry out for God and we see that he is all we have. We turn away from ourselves and we turn to him. We say to God, we can't do this on our own. We can't rely on ourselves, as Paul says in verse 9. We need to rely on you. God's power is what we can put our trust in. He's not a God who is weak and helpless, but a God who raises the dead, a God who is even stronger than death. God didn't create us to be people who are independent of him when we go through our suffering. He doesn't want us to rely on ourselves. He wants us to rely on him and his power. So let's continue now looking at verse 10 and 11, which again says, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Can you see how Paul has used the past, present and future tense when he's talking about God delivering him from his suffering? Paul is assuming that he will continue to suffer and God will continue to deliver him. Um, sorry, sorry, sorry. We can also assume that when we suffer, our suffering might never end. It might be lifelong, which means we also need to continuously turn towards God and keep hoping and keep believing in him. I realize that our suffering in terms of Tim's disability is a lifelong suffering. It's only after being this many years and reflecting on our journey that I can see how God has delivered us from our struggles time and time again. Because sometimes when you're in the moment of suffering, you can't see how God is delivering you. And deliverance can look like many things. It may not mean the suffering disappears, but an example for me is that some seasons of disability is not so hard. It could mean that after weeks of sleep deprivation, we get one week of really great sleep. It means that by the grace of God, I've learned how to parent Tim to the best of my ability. It means that even sleep deprived, I can still function fairly normally and do my job. Deliverance could also mean seeing God's plan for you from your suffering. For me, if it wasn't for Tim, I would never be a special education teacher. And I absolutely love my job. And all of this has shown me his goodness and his faithfulness to us. We can look back like Paul and see God's faithfulness in these small deliverances, but ultimately we see God's faithfulness in the greatest deliverance, delivering us from our sin. 
In Jesus' death, our sin is taken care of. He's done away with our biggest problem. So knowing of his faithfulness, I can put my hope and trust in him and I can pray for the next season of disability in advance. And the next season is puberty, so I'm going to need a lot of prayer for that. <laughs> so Paul goes on to acknowledge the Corinthians and their prayers for him in this deliverance from suffering. Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We are meant to be there for each other during suffering. We are meant to suffer in community. Praying for others and receiving prayer from others is a way that we can find comfort in suffering. So from our passage today, we've seen that we're encouraged to admit our weaknesses. We're encouraged to rely on God's power when we go through difficult things. So what does this look like in our day to day? So I'm gonna talk about some very specific application points. And when you see these application points, you're thinking, those are very basic. But the thing is, sometimes we need to go back to basics to remember um, how to get through it. So if we don't rely on ourselves, what does it actually mean to rely on God? So for ourselves, it's to meditate on his word and remind us ourselves of his promises to us. Remind us of his faithfulness, of his strength. Remind us that he is good and faithful to us. Sometimes in the depths of despair, we don't even know where to start in his word and so it's helpful to have a passage or verse that you know off by heart just for those times. For example, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Something as simple as that. I also do this with worship songs. I have a playlist that is specifically called Comfort. And it's just filled with songs of God's faithfulness, God's love, his promises. And it reminds me that when I don't have the words, I can listen to these songs and they help provide the words that are already in my heart. The second one is to pray and cry out to God in moments of suffering and anguish. As much as God has shown us suffering in his word, he's also shown us people crying out to God and he um, has shown us how to lament as well. Most of the Psalms are laments. You can ask him, how long, Lord? You can ask him to deliver you. It's very, very easy to drown in your suffering and anxiety. A few years ago, I had to have surgery for a childbirth-related problem, and um, I have never experienced the amount of physical pain, even during childbirth, but the amount of physical pain and high level of anxiety that I did during that recovery, because it was so extremely painful. And my pain meds would run out before I would be able to take the next round of pain medication. And the level of anxiety I felt, I was overwhelmed by it because I just, said, I just kept repeating to myself, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't handle this. And it was, I was overcome by my suffering, by my anxiety and anguish. Sometimes it's so easy to forget that God is available and they're just waiting for us to turn to him while we sit in our suffering and anguish, because we make our suffering so big, we forget that God is bigger than our suffering. So don't give your suffering power over you. Remember that God has power over your suffering. So how can we help others? So how does God comfort you? I know he comforts me by giving me peace, strength, giving me the knowledge that he is powerful and in control when we feel so out of control. Comfort others in the way God shows comfort to you. Maybe the way you handle your suffering is an encouragement to others and comfort to others as well. And ask others to pray for you when you don't have the words or energy to pray for yourself. Draw on your community to be with you in your suffering because it blesses both us and them. 
you also realize that you're not alone with your burdens as well when you share them. So in finishing, yes, God gives us way more than we can handle, but he does this for a reason. He wants us to turn to him, to draw strength from him in our weakness, to have faith that he has the power to deliver us from our suffering time and time again. For our prayer response today, I'm actually going to sing a song that we used to sing at Windsor Road, but is no longer on our PowerPoint for some reason. And so we don't have the music, which means that I'm going to have to sing this a cappella. <laughs> so I'm going to put the words up. If you know it, it is a psalm based on Psalm 121. Sorry, a song based on Psalm 121. And it's called I Lift My Eyes Up. And it's one psalm that I have used to meditate on when I am struggling. So please sing along with me so I'm not singing all by myself without music up here. I'm just going to have a drink of water. Okay, there are the words. Ready, everyone? This is where I am most comfortable. <laughs> okay. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, maker of heaven, creator of the earth. Oh, how I need you, Lord. You are my only hope. You're my only prayer. So Where does my help come from? <laughs> my help comes from you, maker of heaven. <laughs> To the mountains 
Thank you so much, everyone. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Di. Um, you might know a guy called Tim Keller who, who uh, wrote a book on suffering uh, and then he got pancreatic cancer. And I heard him interviewed and him saying, it was one thing to write a book, it's another thing to actually experience it. And uh, Di really, that was such a blessing for us because uh, Di is a practitioner in suffering. And I, I love the point that we have, all of us have our unique suffering, but I think we'd all say that uh, Ed and I are experts in it and it's helpful to be able to draw upon your, your wisdom. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.